when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> hey, Shane, doing good? Don't have a funny clip here, unfortunately, this episode, so... Let's just get right into the action. I know we're about a day late on this news, so maybe we don't want to spend a ton of time on it. But uh, as Shane said on the previous podcast, we recorded Tuesday's show right before the college football playoff ranking. So that's kind of why we didn't reference it on Wednesday's show. Uh, but let's just go over that here briefly on Thursday, Shane, starting uh, with uh, number one, of course, Ohio State. I thought that was pretty surprising. I figured LSU would be number one, but they're not far mm-hmm. behind at number two. Uh, Alabama's number three, no surprise there. Penn State, number four. So that's your playoff top four. Thoughts on that real quick, Shane. Ohio State, one. LSU, two. Alabama, three. Penn State, number four. It's basically a big F you to everyone outside of Big Ten and SEC country. <laughs> well, I, and the way that's the way it should be, Mike. You know, let's just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> when this came out, though, I was a little surprised with Ohio State being first. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people aren't thinking anything of it, you know. But something you hit on how important this game is to these SEC teams, you know, because that just tells you right now at this moment – if all of these teams had one loss, Ohio State would be the team that's in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? So right. it is a, it is very important. And I, and some of the media, national media, was like, oh, yeah, obviously Ohio State's going to be first, you know. And, yeah, they've they've won some, some games by a landslide, but they really haven't played anybody except for Michigan State and Wisconsin. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. okay, they play two top 25 teams, but I don't even – we don't even know if they're that good. You know, we got a 13th-ranked Wisconsin that – yeah, that got beat by who was it? In, Indiana, Illinois. I think Somebody Illinois. Got, I think. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I mean, I, I'm not ready to crown these cats, and I don't know. Michigan State's lost to someone else too, so I, I I don't know. I just I'm looking at this. I don't think Ohio State should have been first. I think you're right. I think it should have been LSU, Alabama, then Ohio State. I do like that Clemson's out because they are looking at that schedule, and that schedule is important. But well, let's jump right there, Shane. I, okay. don't, I don't mean to cut you off. No. Just let the listeners know Clemson number five didn't get to that one yet. Georgia number six, and then the only other two we're going to mention here because obviously the SEC teams: Florida number ten, Auburn number eleven. So they're both on the outside looking in, obviously. But 
all those SEC teams, again, Georgia 6, Florida 10, Auburn 11, all in the mix for New Year's 6 bowls and, you know, outside shots, the college football playoff, are not ready to write those teams off just yet. And once again, Clemson number five. So thoughts on uh, all those rankings there, Shane? Yeah, I, it's hard. You you want to overreact, um, which I already did, you know, a little <laughs> bit. But it is uh, the first of November here, you know. So I, I, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these guys are gonna be playing each other, and you know, we're talking about LSU being one. They have an opportunity. They beat Alabama. They're gonna be one. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think all these teams got nothing to really not not much to gain they have everything to lose you know because a lot of these teams are going to be especially the sec teams those top four are going to be playing each other at some point so except for florida you know but i don't know it's just i don't want to overreact to it um but it is it is something to talk about man because these are the rankings that matter Mm -hmm. and one last thing i got on these college football playoff rankings i know this really doesn't mean a whole lot shane but i just thought it was interesting people were pointing this out as soon as these rankings came out, in the history of the college football playoff, which it only goes back to the 2014 season, in the debut, you know, every year they have these debut playoff rankings. Mm-hmm. The team that debuts number three has never made the college football playoff, and that's, of course, Alabama <laughs> this year. And we've been saying if they lose to LSU – we don't see there's any avenue for them to get to the college football playoff. That's just a little teaser, Shane. <laughs> Saban's never won at William Bryce either, Mike. You know I mean? <laughs> exactly. So you don't put a whole lot of stock into that, but it's just, uh, just an interesting nugget there. I love it. All right, Shane, you ready to go around the league? I wish somebody would tell Saban that stat. You know, just <laughs> – Oh, yeah, I'm ready, man. Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, (laughs) I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Uh, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Shane, let's start here in Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Obviously the big game here, Alabama, LSU, Saturday in Tuscaloosa, showdown of epic proportions. How about this, Shane? I I didn't realize this. I want to give credit to uh, Cole Kubelik of the SEC Network. for He pointed this out here recently. This is pretty wild when you think about it. Alabama, LSU, both 8-0. Both in the SEC West, obviously undefeated. Neither one of these teams has played a common opponent. How weird is that, considering they're in the same division and they've each already played eight games? Yeah, that is crazy. I mean, that's, that is that just kind of blew my mind when I heard that because you can't 
you know, there's not a game where you could look at them both playing like Mississippi State or Ole Miss and see how they attacked them and how they held up. I mean, we got like nothing to go off of in terms of that. But uh, I just thought that was one of the damn wildest stats heading into this matchup. Doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot, but it would be kind of nice to see how they both played Texas A&M or something like that to kind of gauge yeah. each other. So we're kind of going into this this big matchup a little bit blind. Uh, we've been hitting on it all week, Shane. It sounds like all indications, Tua is going to be good to go. You know, I hesitate to say that once again because I just don't think he's going to be 100%, but I think by all means he is going to play. I don't think there's any doubt of that at this point. Well, let's kick it over to Nick Saban because he he was asked about that, Shane. Uh, the latest on Tua, he seems – every time he gets asked about Tua, he gets a little bit more agitated, which I appreciate. Uh, on your On your boy, the Clydesdale – you know, yeah. it seems like Nick Saban, he must be a listener to the pod. He's on the Clydesdale train, just like Shane. That's right. Shane started that train, don't forget. And then uh, on Derek Stingley, LSU's outstanding freshman who, uh, I don't know if you know this, Shane, you probably do, but Alabama was uh, one of his finalists, and it was basically down to Alabama LSU for him. And, of course, he picked the Tigers, and it seems like Nick Saban's still a little pissed off at that one. <laughs> I know you're going to ask me about Tua. Um, but look, Tua's worked hard to try to get back where uh, he has an opportunity to play. Uh, he's been able to practice some. Uh, we still don't know what his status for the game is going to be. We'll make it, you know, when the game comes. I uh, don't know what kind of setbacks he's going to have and how he's going to continue to progress. But um, so there's nothing else I can really say about it. But his attitude has been great. His work ethic has been great. I think he has a real positive attitude about what he's doing because he's actually you know, had the same injury before. And I think when you get injured, you're very apprehensive about, you know, how, how to go about coming back from it. But when you've had it before, I think you have a lot more positive feeling about how you can come back from it. So all those things have been very positive for him. With Tua, mobility is obviously important for him. Just how has he looked in that regard? But how hard is that also to determine in practice? Well, that, that's just what I just said, you know, I mean, I'm not going to play the guy if he can't move. What have you seen from Clyde Ed Edwards-Hilaire, and what makes him so difficult to stop the LSU running back? Well, he's um, you know he's got great quickness, great change of direction. Um, you know, he's got a low center of gravity, and he's kind of power built, so he can run behind his pads. Really good route runner and really good receiver. Um, so he he um, he makes a lot of people miss. He also can run with power. He has really good hands. He's very instinctive. Um, so guy's been an outstanding player for him. Very, very productive. What impresses you about LSU's secondary, specifically number 24, Derek Stingley? Yeah, Stingley is, I uh, thought he was, you know, probably one of the best corners in the country in high school and recruiting uh, and certainly hasn't disappointed. Uh, I think he's a fantastic player. He's really good cover skills. Um, Good ball skills. Uh, he's a good tackler. He plays with toughness. Um, you know, plays the ball in the deep part of the field really well. Um, so this guy, you'd never know he was a freshman. I can tell you that. And he plays with a lot of confidence. Um, and uh, he's been very, very productive for them. All right, Shane. So Alabama, Nick Saban. Doesn't sound like uh, he's just damn tired of answering questions about Tua. He sounded. He was just happy to get some LSU questions here, wasn't he? 
Absolutely. Yeah, he was yeah, he was more pumped up talking about the old Clydesdale than he was his quarterback, you know. So <laughs> he knew it was going to come out. I mean, it was just a scripted. This is the same old – this is what we expected. I mean, if I didn't hear from Nick for two weeks and then I had to, you know, guess what he was going to say today, it was exactly what he did. Uh, you know, he's not going to leave anything out. But I think to a place, you know, he made the comment that if he can't move. But I've seen – there's been some videos coming out and I mean, he is moving, he's moving around. He looks, he looks good ish. You know, he's not required to do much. I'm sure right now, but I think he'll be ready Saturday. Probably like you said, not a hundred percent, but he'll be ready to go. And, and, uh, I do like the fact that that Saban has addressed, uh, Clydesdale because, you know, they've had trouble with, uh, stopping the run. So, the, you know, I think this is going to be their biggest challenge, uh, as far as, I mean, obviously just offense in general, but as far as the running running game, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this is this is going to be a tough matchup here for them. Yeah, and it always seems like a lot of these matchups, you know, we go into it saying Joe Burrow, Tua, you know, the winner of this, going to win the Heisman. I think some people are expecting each of them to throw for 300 yards and four or five touchdowns, basically who has got the ball last. It doesn't always play out that way. It's a lot of times – you know, both the defenses are expecting that as well. So it's a lot of times it's come down to the contributing players. Which one has a big day? Is it Clydesdale? Is it Najee Harris? Is mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, maybe like a tight end? We, na- we may not even be talking about it or a special teams play, something like that. So it would be no surprise if uh, a guy like the Clydesdale is the X factor in this game. You know, Alabama, LSU, whichever team rushes the ball better, probably going to win this game, despite all mm-hmm. the, you know, the passing and the receivers these two got. So uh, that's going to be interesting. And how about this, Shane? Before we jump back over to LSU, uh, Bet Online, the online sports book, they came out with some pretty interesting prop odds, I thought, here. Will the loser of this game make the college football playoff? Yes, is the favorite. Minus three hundred. That's that means you. If you bet a hundred bucks, you're only going to get back a hundred and thirty. So you're really only making thirty. But if you bet no, that's plus two hundred. That's two to one. So I think what that's really telling people is they're thinking that if LSU, they think LSU is probably going to lose this game, but they could still make the college football playoff. That's how I'm reading that stat right there. Because if Alabama loses it, you know we. I mean we keep hitting it keep saying the same damn thing here they're probably not going to make the college football playoff so it seems like the gamblers are expecting alabama to pull this one out it's not necessarily a surprise given that the tide are a favorite here uh, but some other interesting nuggets here will this game go into overtime no is obviously the bet in favor on that but uh, you can get 10 to 1 odds if you say yes so you bet that right now if you think this one goes down to overtime I mean, 10 to 1, that's pretty good right there. Yeah. Uh, Who will have more passing yards? Actually, Joe Burrow is favored to have more passing yards, but Tua, who will have more passing touchdowns? You can bet that as well. Tua is the favorite to have more passing touchdowns. That's pretty weird. I don't don't really know I understand that one, but (laughs) again, I think that what that suggests is they're thinking Alabama's going to win, so Tua will have the touchdown advantage, whereas LSU may be down behind, from behind and, and have yeah. more passing yards. So just a thought on that, Shannon. I just want to get your thoughts. 
does any of that you know strike you, or do you think I'm kind of on the mark based on just on these odds? Yeah, it just there. It seems to me like everything's in favor of Alabama winning this thing and LSU playing from behind. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that does intrigue me is the is the loser going to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting bet, man, because a lot. I think a lot has to happen if I mean you're kind of. I don't know if Alabama loses. I don't know if they get in. And if LSU loses, I think there's a chance they get in. And it's even better the fact that they don't have to play in the SEC championship. So, I don't know, man. That's that's just a – I don't know. Maybe I'm going to steer clear. I'm, I'm terrible at gambling. You know how that is, Mike. So, the more I think about this, man, you could just feel my wheels turning. I just I, – I, I don't I don't know. I, I think if I'm going to do – one of those bets, I, I may do one of those uh, halftime bets, you know, and see mm-hmm. how my, my first half's going, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, whatever you do, do not make a lock on Alabama or LSU's playoff odds. We may just lose half an entire fan base if you do something like that, Shane. I, I felt like, like, you know, them like, uh, like in those snipers with the laser dots, you know? They just started coming in here in the bedroom. <laughs> All right, Shane, so let's jump over to the other side of this matchup. Let's jump on down to Joe Burrow. Go Tigers. Met with the media here recently on this matchup. And I think, um, you know, every one of these Alabama-LSU games is unique. None is quite like the other. But in years past, I really think that whoever LSU had at quarterback, going back to maybe Zach Mettenberger, just always seems like this game's too damn big for them. Like they, these quarterbacks shrink in the moment, and they, you know, it's not even like LSU's asking much of these guys in years past. That's certainly not the case with Joe Burrow. I mean, he's the leader of this team, and uh, you know, I think he's got a little, not to say he plays like Brett Favre, but he's got a little bit of that edge to him where, you know, if you knock him on his ass, it seems like he gets him going more than anything. Uh, so Joe Burrow, let's jump over to him. Asked about uh, the extra motivation provided by this game uh, on LSU being tested already this year and how that's going to help them in this game against Alabama. And then once again, Shane, everybody's jumping on the uh, cousin Shane bandwagon here, jumping over to uh, talking about Clydesdale and the impact he could have in this one. No more. I wouldn't say more motivation. If I mean we're playing in the SEC, we're undefeated. You know, we have a chance to do special things here, and we have the last eight weeks, too. So if you, if you need motivation, then you're in the wrong place. You know, you got, you got motivation all through the year. You know, you, you always embrace challenges, but we've been challenged many times this year. We, you know, we went on the road, really good Texas team, played Florida, Auburn. So we've been challenged, and I think that's going to help us a lot this week, facing the adversity we've had this year and then last year, having a lot of guys come back, I think it's going to really help us. You know, you see the NFL game, you know, as, as a running back, you don't get on the field unless you can catch passes. And that's what Clyde does best. He, he get, comes out of the backfield, makes the linebackers cover him, and, and then when they're thinking he's going to exit the backfield, you hand it off to him and he runs for, for 60 or for 40. So he's, he's a super versatile player that, you know, not a lot of backs are nowadays. All right, Shane, so kicking it over here, what are your thoughts on what Joe Burrow had to say? I mean, the Heisman Trophy favorite at this point, 
Not gonna not saying he's gonna lose it this weekend, but I think he's got a chance to lock down the award if he can finally, finally, finally lead LSU to a victory over Alabama. Even more impressive on the road in Tuscaloosa. Thank God it's not a night game because those <laughs> lights would would distract him. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this is a this is gonna be. This is like a game of a decade, or at least two, I mean, maybe two decades. I don't know, but, I mean, there's a lot of buildup. This almost feels like I said, like I said earlier, the SEC championship. Mm -hmm. You got uh, everybody watching, the number two, number three team in the nation. You got the daggone president of the United States going to be there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. This game is huge, and everybody's going to remember what happens in it. So if Joe comes out and underperforms, they're going to think what they've been thinking this whole time. Like if they're not a true follower of LSU, they're just going to say, yeah, you know, he had some good games, but he's not a big time quarterback. But if he comes out and he makes a statement, then you're going to you're going to come away with a totally different impression and say, you know what, this kid could win the Heisman. You know, this kid should win the Heisman. So uh, there, there's a lot. I think everything there's a lot of things riding on this game, not just not just the SEC championship. There's a lot of things riding on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just can't wait to see it. Can't wait to make my official pick on it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of glad. I know this is, uh, I was kind of joking before about the lights and everything, but having this game at night, I don't know. It's, I think you kind of referenced this earlier, but I kind of want the whole day to, to discuss it and then in the evening to think about it. Yeah. I don't want this game to end and then I have to go to bed in an hour or something because I won't be able to go to sleep. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've just, there's going to be meltdowns on whatever side. There's going to be so much trash talking for the side oh, that man. wins it. And uh, I just, I'm just happy that finally we have two teams. I mean, certainly Alabama's not going to be intimidated by LSU, but it's nice that I don't think LSU is going to be intimidated at all by Alabama, even despite the last last season's twenty nine to zero whipping. You know what? Yeah, absolutely, man. This is this is going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to it, man. I bet Gary ain't Gary ain't sleeping, man. You know, he's <laughs> amped up. He's drinking what Red Bulls and probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just he's, he's just pumped up. He's just getting everything. He's going to have so many damn stories coming out this weekend. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, Mark. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Knoxville, where Jeremy Pruitt met with the media here on Wednesday. And this is, a, you know, again, a crucial game for the Volunteers. But it sounds like it's, you know, this is something we haven't hit on yet for this one. Obviously, Kentucky's got two weeks to prepare for this one, coming off a bye week, Mm -hmm. whereas Tennessee, this is going to be their sixth game in six weeks. I'm still, I'm not sure how that happens when you got two byes, but that's (laughs) kind of just the way it worked out for the Vols. So this could be a tricky game, even if you think Tennessee, with all their momentum, you know, we hit on the fact they're now favored against the spread, a lot going in Tennessee's direction. But there's got to be a fatigue factor, particularly with this team. You know, it's 
I don't I don't know how many seniors they have off the top of my head, but it's not that many. So you you don't have a I don't want to say they're lacking veteran leadership, but I, I guess what I'm really trying to say is they have so many young players that have may have never been in this position before where you know, six game in, in six weeks, and it's a crucial game, could determine their bowl season. Any thoughts on that, Shane, and just on the fact that uh, Kentucky's really getting a break when it comes to uh, where this game lies on the schedule? Yeah, they're getting a break, and they've had an extra week to prepare for it, you know. I mean, two weeks they've been talking about You're seeing, you're seeing old players – you know, coming out with hot videos and I mean, they're, they've got this thing circled. They, they've been prepared for Tennessee for two weeks. So that, that scares you a little bit. Um, you know, and Tennessee kind of limping into this thing, Mm -hmm. especially on the offensive front. Um, you know, but coach, coach gave some positive words, positive feedback, you know, that they are getting better and that they, they did prevent some of these guys from playing last week or as much as, as, as needed. And, uh, maybe that helped them rest a little bit. So, you know, Kentucky, what worries me most about this game is just the uncertainty, man. I don't know. I mean, you don't know what they're going to do. You've got uh, – I don't know who's going to be quarterback. I don't know how long that person's going to be quarterback, you know. I don't know what they're going to be running out there. I don't know who they got healthy, you know. It's just uh, there's so much uncertainty coming from Kentucky and – and it just kind of feels like we kind of know what we have with Tennessee, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do let's do this, Shane. Let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt, and then I'm just going to immediately throw it to Lynn Bowden because we got some interesting comments from him. Uh, then we'll discuss both these uh, on the back end. Well, just energy, you know. It's uh, and everybody has it, right? We're we're here in November. Uh, you know, it's, it's a grind. There's certain times. We're at that point. This is the sixth game since we've had an off week, right? So you can, as a coach, you circle that game, you know, in, in the preseason and say, hey, this is a game. We better find a way to be at our best. You know, when you do things for this long or a long period and, and uh, you know, we're, we're, we're banged up. We're sore like every other team in the country, right? So we got to show some maturity and be able to push through. Uh, to get the work that we need to get done so we'll be prepared to play at our best on Saturday. Well, we got several guys that are banged up. (coughs) Unfortunately, um, against South Carolina, we had several guys go down. um, And we kind of limped, you know, to the finish line in that game with the offensive line. Not a lot of numbers there uh, because they were all at the same position. some of the guys couldn't play last week versus UAB, but they're they're much better this week. Where they're where they're at, are they 100 uh, percent? Probably not, but they're they're most of them are close enough to be ready to play. It's important to our team um, to play well Saturday, uh, and I think a lot of these guys are, are are working hard to get healthy so they can be at their best. I know. You- Talk about just how much you've done running the ball, but how, how beat up were you just from, from taking all those extra legs, all those extra carries? I was good. For real, it was just, I don't know, a lot of hits, though. They was out there trying to kill me, I feel like. <laughs> See, I'm soldier, though, so. It sounds like a lot of guys have a bad taste in their mouth from that Tennessee game last year. Does that apply to you, too? Yeah. You know, I don't speak on it, though. I'm just letting my, my game do on the talk, you know, Saturday. 
it, it looks like the weather forecast looks like there's not going to be any rain. So how much are you looking forward to getting out there without rain and showing what you can do? Just ready to get back playing football without, <laughs> without the wet, without the rain, you know. So it's going to be fun, though. It's going to be fun. Tennessee's been pretty good against the run this year, and obviously you're going to try to run, but are you looking forward to trying to show off what you can do in the passing game as well? It's going to be fun. <laughs> I might be back at receiver. Y'all never know what's going on. <laughs> Y'all never know what's going on. All right, Shane, so you kind of hit on it there. Pruitt on the offensive line, it sounds like they're going to give it a go. They're, I think they desperately need those, those guys because UAB managed to kind of push around Tennessee's offensive line a little bit last week. Just imagine what Kentucky is going to be able to do with two weeks to prepare if Tennessee's offensive yeah. line is not in full strength. Uh, then the other thing you really hit on there, I thought this was great from Lynn Bowden. They know, I think they really know, they're in the heads of not only the media but opposing coaches. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what was it, all week against Arkansas? We were hyped up for the Sawyer Smith show, and that's when Lynn Bowden really broke out as you know the outstanding quarterback that he's been this year, more of a – Wildcat, I know, but Wildcat, quarterback, whatever the heck you want to call it. And now they're not tipping their hand at anything. They're saying Sawyer mm -hmm. Smith, 100%. He's never looked better in his life. That probably means Lynn Bowden's going to take every snap <laughs> at quarterback. <laughs> I mean, you just don't know what in the world is going on with Kentucky. But I think uh, they're playing so well with Lynn Bowden back there. I just It's hard for me to imagine them taking him out of that spot. Eddie Grant really seems to have his finger on uh, you know, the pulse of his offense and what to dial up and when to do it. And uh, man, it's, they're just they're just a machine right now there at Kentucky, and uh, it seems like they know it. They got a lot of confidence going into this matchup, and they should, man. I, I'm with you. I think Lynn's been doing fantastic back there, and uh, they they've got a lot of things going in their favor. But I mean, I think. You know, I think Brian comes back this week. A lot of people talking about, you know, they're, I mean, they're not really, I mean, they're saying he's doing reps and things like that, but I think we honestly were holding him back for this game. Mm -hmm. I think that helps us out, you know. So, um, I mean, if we can get more of a passing game going, that, that's only going to help that offensive line, especially when it comes to blocking. And, and um, I, I don't know. I just think when we get, when Tennessee becomes one dimensional, we look God awful. So we got to be able to maintain that balance and we can't let Kentucky make us one dimensional and, and Tennessee's got to do a, do their best, their due diligence to, to try to, you know, contain Lynn if he's back there or, or rattle Smith. Cause he hasn't played in weeks, you know what I'm saying? So he's going to be a little, if he is coming out, he's going to be a little amped up himself. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just kind of create chaos and, and come up with things you haven't done in a while. So uh, it should be a fantastic game. A lot of fans reaching out, wanting me to put my money on Tennessee. A lot of Kentucky <laughs> fans coming out. Ollie apologizing for painting the rock. And uh, <laughs> our boy, you see, trying to get us to bet, you know, uh, do mm -hmm. a, a, a bourbon bet. So, because we can't do the beer barrel, but by God, we could serve alcohol in Neyland. So, <laughs> whatever that means. So, uh, I, I'm I'm all for that too. I, I love I love this week. I love uh, this rivalry. Um, it's deep and it's something you know. I mean, I've known my whole life. And if you're a Tennessee or Kentucky fan, you've you know this is something you can hang over the other team's head for a whole year. So it's a big one, and uh, and it's really big for these teams because they they really need the victory, man. Well, let me ask you this, Shane, because this is something I just kind of thought of. 
Any chance that Kentucky does play Sawyer Smith at quarterback and they kind of lose some of that momentum, you know, it's almost one of those deals where they're they're doing it so well with Lynn Bowden. And I'm not saying that they would want to go away from that, but maybe they're just like, you know, Tennessee's preparing for this. We'll give them something else. And then all of a sudden, you know, not it's not that Sawyer Smith's a terrible player by any means, but maybe they just lose whatever that uh, was unique about that awesome offense with Lynn Bowden back there. And then, uh, you know, obviously I would imagine they'd go back to it, but if they get in a big deficit, this is not the offense you want when you're down in a hole or anything. You know what I mean? So any danger yeah. for Kentucky that uh, they maybe mess or just tinker a little too much during this bye week, you know they are got to be working up something with all this time off. Any danger that they tinker too much with it or you think they just kind of do exactly what they've been doing because it's been working so well? I don't know. It's interesting because you see this with not just college, but you also see it with NFL. A lot of times when a player goes down, somebody comes back in for quarterback, and maybe they're a little bit more mobile, and they run a different type of scheme. Um, you know, it feels like you always got a week and a half a head start on other teams catching up. You know, and there's a lot of film out on Lynn right now, so I don't think I don't think they can continue doing what they're doing. And nothing against Lynn, but they've they got to they have to they're gonna have to pass the ball, man. You know they can't just rely on his legs because there's a lot of game film out right now, and don't think that these coaches haven't got a scheme for it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They're gonna be bringing these corner blitzes in. They're gonna be containing him, and if that's your only offense and there's no threat to throwing, then it's gonna be a long night for Kentucky. So I think Smith does come out. But I think if Tennessee's going to, I don't know, shake this thing up, they've got to get him rattled too. They cannot let him sit back and pick him, pick him off like Trask did at Florida, you know what I'm saying, or Fromm did there at Georgia. They, they've really got to get pressure on him, get him rattled, and get him on his heels, and then make the coaches second guess who they're going to put back at quarterback. Final thing here on Kentucky, Shane, I'm not sure you saw this, but I wanted to make this note. This is pretty interesting, and I believe this was first reported by Kentucky Sports Radio, so I want to give them credit. But Joey Gatewood, Shane, the former Auburn quarterback who's entered the transfer portal, he is scheduled to visit Kentucky this weekend. That's his first recruiting visit that I'm aware of. I also know that LSU and Florida – are involved in his recruitment. So, man, it <laughs> certainly looks like Gatewood is going to be staying in the SEC, or at least he's obviously considering it. Thoughts on that, Shane? Joey Gatewood potentially, not saying he's you know about to make his decision by any means, but first stop, Kentucky. I think the first stop gives you an indication how serious he is about the Wildcats. He's probably seeing this Joey Gatewood style, or excuse me, Lim Bowden style offense kind of envisioning himself in it with, uh, I don't know, just thoughts on that. I think it's a great landing spot for him, man. Uh, honestly, I think it, it fits what they've been doing offensively because before the Smith and before Lynn, it was Terry, you know, and, and, and Terry's a, a, 
a mobile quarterback. This this is you know to get that RPO going, they have to have somebody back there that has legs and mobility, and I think it caters more toward what Joey's good at. Uh, you know, he's not the fastest guy, but you know he does he does have that physical presence. He's a big old body that's that's able to move. You know to move the line of scrimmage if needed. So I think it's a good landing spot for Kentucky, and I think it's going to be loud. I think it's going to be wild up there. I think you'll have a good time, and there's a good chance that uh, that's where it ends up. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Athens. Bulldogs, sick them! <laughs> the Bulldogs got a big matchup here against Missouri. Uh, let's kick it over to Kirby Smart, who met with the media here on Wednesday. And uh, he was not too impressed. I was pretty surprised he said this. Maybe it's the saving in him where <laughs> he can't really compliment his team for their outstanding play. But uh, on the fact that Georgia has not allowed a single rushing touchdown, he found a way to complain about that. <laughs> I just thought this was, uh, you know, this is not particularly relevant to the upcoming game necessarily, but Kirby Smart is one of the things that he hits on all the time is how much – uh, they put into the development of their program. And, you know, everyone says that. And everyone, you know, the good programs all do it. Uh, but it just seems like Georgia, under Kirby Smart's done an outstanding job of really getting some of these guys, even some, like, three-star caliber players that, you know, fans don't even give it a second glance when they pick up these commitments. But under Kirby Smart, they've been turning some of these kids into elite SEC players and he mm-hmm. kind of gives a little window into their development of young players uh, that are not necessarily first or second team uh, once they arrive at Georgia. No, we haven't changed much philosophically. I mean, we, we I mean we've done some, we've added some things to our package that have helped. Um, we've played well in the red area. We've been, I mean, that's some of that's just a statistical just draw. I mean, we've had some plays score from outside. You know the red area on some big passes that that maybe those drives turn into a goal line possession and they score. I mean, it's a great feat to have, but I would trade some goal line rushes for some not big plays. You know what I mean? And uh, I'd much rather not give up long passing plays. But uh, the guys are proud of it, and they you know they try to own it, and um, we work hard to keep people out of our end zone. And we've always said to get in our end zone, you're gonna have to throw it in to try to make them one dimensional. But it doesn't always happen that way. Well, everybody practices. So what happens is you go out to practice, and if you're not with the ones or twos, then you're you're over here repping. So you, whether it's a Ryan Goody or a, a Kenny McIntosh or a Tyreek Stevenson, I mean, you name them. You anybody you want to name, Xavier Truss. I mean, I don't know Clay Webb, and they're all working. So the beauty is I get to see them on both sides, and I get to see them go against good people. And uh, we've had a really good history here of developing players to prepare them to play the next season or maybe even play this season should something happen. And I love watching a guy like Kenny McIntosh who did not have a clue how to play special teams. I'm not saying he wasn't bought in on it. He just didn't know. To now, he loves it. He's fast. He, he embraces it. And uh, he's, he's taking ownership in his role. Um, and I thought Belichick said it best when he said, you want to find someone – you want to find out someone cares most about the team, put them on kickoff coverage and put them on kickoff return. That's when you find out how much they care about the team. And, and uh, we got a lot of guys on there that have done a good job. Tresman has done a great job of that. All right, Shane, so how about that? Kirby, I mean, get, may have the best running defense <laughs> in the nation, but he's still found a way to complain about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I love it. I love it. You know, you, I mean, you could take the man from Saban, but you just can't take Saban from the man here. You know, he's, he's going to find something to get upset about, but you know, I, I really, I, I think what, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head, uh, when you're talking about this team, I, this is a, a lot of people talk about going back to like Kentucky as a developmental school, man, I'm telling you, Georgia, what they've been able to do with all talent, top to bottom, and, and like you said, take somebody like a three-star Brian Harrion, and here you got him uh, as a senior doing, I mean, a hell of a job out there at running back, you know. I mean, that's just – that's what kind of school they've got down there, and that's something that you can sell for recruits that are coming in. So it doesn't matter. I mean, the five stars, everybody's chasing them. But it's what you can also pitch to these three and four stars, you know. Hey, come here. You know, not all of them start out, you know, as All-Americans, but I'll get you there. And let me show you, I've got proof, you know. So, I don't know. I just, I love that. And uh, I think that's something that Kirby's really good at doing. And, um, you know, he's, he's uh, they're doing a hell of a job, man. Yeah, DeAndre Baker's another one of them. Your first mm-hmm. round pick with the Giants last year and, uh, the latest one that everyone's kind of talking up is their outstanding linebacker, Tay Crowder, who came to Georgia as a running back. Now he just made the Buckus uh, watch list for the nation's top linebacker. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's one of the finalists for that, I believe. So Eric Stokes, they got the video came out, you know, three yep. star. And, and he's, I mean, I think he was nominated for something. I mean, it's just they're, they're able to do that with that talent down there. It's not – so everybody looks at Georgia and they think, oh, well, yeah, it's easy when you're getting four or five stars. But, hell, they, they're taking these three stars and making them five-star athletes. Mm-hmm. And I think it helps the fact that you got such a talented team that every day in practice you're going up against an elite player. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you, they find out pretty quick that uh, – whether you can play or, or not, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, one other thing on this game, Shane, we don't have the audio here because this came from the teleconference, but uh, Barry Odom, you know, it's pretty pretty wild. I don't know if he got, you know, a message <laughs> to switch the, switch the message or anything, but uh, yesterday saying, you know, if the game was today, Kelly Bryant wouldn't play. Now he's saying, Kelly Bryant, oh, my God, he's looking good. <laughs> Took all the reps with the ones, and uh, he'll be ready to go. So <laughs> thoughts on that? Maybe a little gamesmanship here from Barry Odom, but um, I I expect Kelly Bryant to play. They've had two weeks to prepare for this one. May not be 100%, but obviously they're going to need him if they got any chance of upsetting Georgia. Uh, thoughts on Barry Odom kind of doing a 180 here? No, uh, I think – I don't know if he's going to be 100%. I don't even know if he's – I wouldn't even bank on him playing right now. Coach right. comes out like that. I mean, just one extreme <laughs> to the other. That sounds to me like he's playing chess, you know, while everybody else is playing checkers. So, uh, I, I, I wouldn't read into that. But I wanted – I did want to ask you something about these teleconferences. How how exactly do these work? Is this something that the, the public can stream somewhere, or is this something that it's just a network of media? How does that work? Yeah, so um, I don't believe you can stream it anywhere that I know of, but uh, and it, I honestly wouldn't recommend doing it because it's not, <laughs> it's not that entertaining. But uh, the SEC, if you get on the list there, if you you know work in the media, you can reach out to them, and then they send you a phone number that uh, I'm not permitted to share. Otherwise, I'd, I'd share it right now. But uh, <laughs> you just call it in as a conference center, and then uh, – 
you know, a coach will call in. They they all have it scheduled out. Always Coach O goes first, and he <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> he goes for ten minutes. And, and uh, another funny thing is Kirby Smart. Every damn time, I kid you not, he's late to the call. He's never prepared. I don't know why, and he's always at the same time. It's not like he's. This is not random time. He just they have a a ten minute slot, and uh, they go one by one. They field questions from reporters and. It takes about two and a well, maybe not two and a half hours, but it takes about an hour and a half, hour forty five minutes. It's a long sit through if you're if you're listening to the whole damn thing. So like I said, it's not it's not that entertaining and the, the audio quality isn't the best. Yeah. <laughs> but uh it's funny. And like you, it was like last week Gus Malzon was kind of uh I thought he was kind of ducking it when Joey Gatewood <laughs> I mean he was just pretending like he couldn't hear nothing. It was pretty funny. Can you hear me now? <laughs> <laughs> did uh, who who determines like the questions though like uh is it just like randomly draw because it, it feels to me like like a week like today everybody wants to ask Saban a million questions but right. they may not want to ask coach luke much because they're not playing really anybody you know what i'm saying is it is it like a just a set amount of questions for each coach or is there like specific people like just maybe like knoxville media can ask tennessee questions or is that how it's set up uh, well, the nice thing about it, there is no limitations on, you know, you don't have to work for, a, you know, a, a specific paper or website or anything, and you don't even have to work in the SEC. Sometimes you get national people calling in or uh, you just, you never know who's going to call in, but uh, all you got to do is you just, uh, you hit a button, I think it's star one, and then you get to, uh, you have to tell the SEC what you're going to ask, and then they once uh, you know they're opening it up for questions, they just go in order that they get them, and then they mm-hmm. they introduce the reporter, and uh, then he gets to fire away his question for the coach. Gotcha. And as long as it, they're not going to have saving on for twenty minutes. You know, if, if it takes ten minutes, that's the allotted time. And if you don't get your you. question in in ten minutes, you don't you just don't get to make it. One last question: You've been doing this for several years, Mike. Has anybody gone Leroy Jenkins on this thing, like? Just, you know, he said this is the question he's going to ask. And then when it got to his question, he was just like, you know, ask something inappropriate or, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Just get the coach fired up and then maybe he's banned. But, you know, he went out with a blazing glory. Have you ever heard one of those? Um, I'm trying to think. I know Kevin Sublin, I remember from a few years ago when his hot seat was really getting going. He had a pretty wild one. Um this season, Jeremy Pruitt, I remember when all that uh, J- Jeremy Banks stuff was going on. Yeah. I, I won't say he got heated, but, uh, I mean, they just kept asking him about Jeremy Banks. And it was funny because, you know, I said, like, you got to hit the button and ask the SEC. Then they would be like, let's kick it over to so-and-so. And he'd be like, oh, they just answered it. I was a- I was going to ask about Banks. And then they were like, let's kick it over to this guy. And he's like, oh, I was going to ask about Banks. And then they said, well, let's kick it over to this guy. He's like, oh, I was going to ask about this. <laughs> so it was like they just all wanted to ask about That was pretty funny. Uh, um, but, yeah, and Brett, I look, you know, say what you will about Brett Bielema. He's always entertaining. I, I loved him on these calls. Uh, and right now we're at a real dearth of, of entertaining guys. Will Muschamp, you know, we give him credit for being entertaining. Yeah, they always ask these coaches to briefly, you know, give an introduction, talk about their team and the upcoming opponent. And usually these guys talk for, you know, it's not a long period of time, maybe like 20, 30 seconds. 
Here's how Will Muschamp always does it. We got a game, Williams Rice Stadium, Appalachian State, ready for questions. Like he just does, <laughs> does not give any shits. He's just like, I'm just here because I have to be. <laughs> He's not gonna kiss the ass on the teleconference. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, I was just, we just, you know, we want to know how the sausage maids too. So uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you letting us all know that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to Oxford. Auditorio, miss. Not really hit on the Rebels this week, and a lot of that has to do with the opponent. They're playing a winless New Mexico State team that uh, the only other time SEC fans got to see this squad, they lost by about 70 to Alabama. That was coming off a game against Washington State. They lost by like 60 so this is uh, this is one where Ole Miss probably going to get the backups in here. <laughs> That's kind of what Ole Miss uh, head coach Matt Luke was asked about. I thought it was kind of funny, and it just kind of goes to show you. I mean, there's there's different ways you can answer this question. Had Nick Saban got answered this question, he would have started cussing and just talking about how two <laughs> two is going to play the whole game. How the hell do you know if he's going to not play? Blah blah blah. But uh, Matt Luke took a different approach when asked about, uh, you know, if some of the backups are going to get to play on how they improve their passing game against an opponent like this. And then uh, I thought finally here, I thought this was kind of interesting on the development of his locker room there in Oxford. It's, you know, there's so many young players here. And I think that uh, the way they're building this thing, I think they're at least going in the right direction. Any idea about playing some some of these younger guys if they if it material? You know, you know, it, we'll we'll see. But our, our focus is on winning the game and on us getting better. The starters getting better. We have a lot of getting better to do. We're not a finished product by by any stretch. We got a lot a lot of getting better to do on both sides of the ball and a lot of young guys playing that are getting better. And uh, and again, we just got to continue to execute and. Uh, you know, in, in every single game, but the object is to win. And, uh, you know, we got to execute better to get over that hump. Whether it's the passing game or anything else, how do you kind of gauge that against an opponent that's really struggled this no, year? No, you mean, again, it's 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 a lot of it, again, is uh, is just execution. And it doesn't matter who, who you're going against, whether it's at practice, on air, um, against, you know, New Mexico State, they're the next opponent. I mean, going out there and executing. And, I, and that's that's what the object is, is to get better each and every week. And that's what we're going to try to do this week. What's a Matt, despite the three and six record, uh, every one of these guys that comes in here talks about how good the locker room is and how galvanized this group is. Just comment on that about how they stuck it out and stuck together. Yeah, I mean, it's just, um, I mean, they're they're uh, we're really close, and they, there's you just got to have that persistence to get up and keep keep battling. And, and we'll you know again, we got a whole room locker room full of players and coaches with a lot to prove. And, uh, you know, I think we are a good football team. And we just got to keep working to get over that hump. And that's, that's what we're doing. All right, Shane. So we kind of hit on Matt Luke earlier this week on just the fact that uh, just aren't quite sure what to make of the direction of Ole Miss. I think it's going in the right direction. But it's, it's certainly not at the pace that I would imagine most Ole Miss fans want it to go. You know, sometimes these football programs – you know, just look at uh, we all we always point to Mark Stoops in Kentucky. It's not like he built it overnight; took some yeah. time, but they did it the right way there. Not saying Ole Miss necessarily should wait, you know, four or five years before they start seeing some real results here. But uh, you know, kind of by based on Matt Luke's comments here about how they're building up the locker room and everything, I just continue to like what I hear from him of course they have to more importantly have to show it on the field and actually win some of these damn games 
And this weekend against New Mexico State, New Mexico State, uh, it should be a, a very good opportunity for Ole Miss to come away with a big home win. For sure, and I, I, I don't want to see Plumtree running around, man. You know, I don't want to get him. I, don't, I don't think he needs to be out there that much. And you know, I thought it was funny that he asked about you know the young people. You know, Ole Miss is already relying on a lot of freshmen, a lot right. of young kids already. It's like, how many more you want to roll out there? Is is there anybody on that team that you, that you would like to see get more playing time this week? Um, I don't know his status at this point, but. Uh... I know they had the quarterback Tisdale leave. Yeah, that, that would be one uh, I would have mentioned. But they got another guy named Kincaid, I believe is his name. He's a true freshman. But again, it's almost like it's kind of like you're saying they need to. What I would really like to see from Ole Miss this week is I would almost handicap John Rice Plumley. Yeah, and say if you run the damn ball, you are on the bench. <laughs> just, yeah, <laughs> I would exactly. make him throw it and just kind of work on that. I guess a live competition because even if he doesn't run, I know that's going to take away his effectiveness. Uh, but it's really, it really could help develop this passing game that they need to finish out the season strong. Got to get a win here, and I mean they're playing LSU next, so. Mm-hmm. They have got to have some semblance of a balanced passing attack if they're going to have any chance against the Tigers. And we, we already know it's going to be a long odds to even do that, but uh, I think that would be kind of the key for Ole Miss uh, in this matchup. It could be, a, it could be a nice little trap game, though, Mike. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, the president of the United States won't be at this game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, last thing I got, let's jump on down to the Plains. War damn eagle. Where Gus Malzahn met with the media here, and while the Tigers are on a bye week, that's another reason we haven't really hit on them this week, uh, he did have a media availability here on Wednesday, and I thought this was an interesting point that he made, uh, given the fact that uh, what we've seen from D.J. Williams, the true freshman running back, you know, how is uh, the running back rotation going to work with Booby Whitlow, you know, coming back up to speed. They got a huge game against Georgia. All of a sudden, Auburn's got two really good running backs they can rely on. They they desperately need that if they're going to beat Georgia and Alabama and Sanford. But uh, <laughs> I just thought this was some interesting comments. And then uh, the best part of this entire presser, Shane, we already hit on this moment uh, during our Sunday recap, but – Derek Brown, the play where he damn ran on the field and smashed <laughs> uh, the running back for Ole Miss. Yeah. Uh, Gus Malzahn talked about that. I thought this was priceless. Uh, Booby, um, he's healthier than he was last week. I still can't say he's 100% right now, but he's been practicing and um, you know practicing with a knee brace and everything goes with it. Our goal is that he'll be back you know 100% before we play Georgia, and uh, so we'll continue to to, to strive for, towards that. If he comes back and he's ready to go, does he go to the number one spot right away? You know, I think right now what you see is is uh, we got a handful of guys that are playing at a high level. And uh, but I will say this: I mean, if he comes back ready, hundred percent, I mean, obviously he's going to help us. I think everybody knows that. And um, you know, DJ's been doing a really good job, as well as Cam and Shivers. I mean, I think they've done a solid job when they've been called upon too. What's really impressed you most about DJ these last two games? He held on the football. Uh, you know, anytime you've got a, a true freshman that's really in prime time for the first time, 
you're concerned about holding on the football, and he's done that in two big games, and he's he's got the workload in two big games too. And you know he'll get nothing but better. Um, you know he's a real football savvy guy, and uh, you know he he can break tackles. He's tough to tackle one on one. He's got really good balance, and um, so you know I've been real encouraged with his start. You know of uh, carrying the football. That's Well, you know, when when he made that uh, that play in open space, you know, I had my my head turned around and I thought he dropped out of and made a play, but he came off the sideline and that was a, a pretty good play. So, uh, no, not much anymore surprised me. What you it surprised here? that running back, I think. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wouldn't want. I mean, that poor running back. I, you know, like what happened? Rodriguez, Rich Rodriguez was surprised too. I bet he was. I, I was surprised too. I think everybody was. I think you were surprised. <laughs> All right, Shane. Even Gus Malzahn, old reserved Gus, had he got a chuckle out of uh, seeing old Derek Brown stampede out there and just light up someone who didn't even know he was there, didn't he? Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it, man. You know, it's just you know he little things like that. That's like that. Uh, do you remember the Nebraska guy? He just in the right place and he caught that fumble. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like right there at the end zone. It's just. You know, these little moments, they don't come around often for us big guys, but when they do, it's just like, you know, your eyes get about two times bigger. <laughs> oh, I love it. You know, he's probably replayed that in his mind about a million times. So um, I, let me ask you, I, I I don't want to get too far off path, and I, and I definitely don't want to be burning Gus's seat up again, but Uh-oh. fact of the matter is Auburn's got some tough games coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a good – really good chance that they're going to be one and three after these next three or one and two after these next three games. If that were to happen, Mike, are, is, is Gus seat? Is it, I mean, is it warm? Is it hot? I mean, I, I know it probably depends on if they lose, how they lose, but mm-hmm. is there, is there, because the fan base is kind of weird right now. And I'm just curious your thoughts. If they do end up going one and two in these next three games, um, what what is the stand on Gus, you think? I honestly think he's fine right now. I think he's fine for the next two years, probably, unless they just, you know, maybe there's a huge fall off on defense. But sticking to this year, yeah, I know they've lost some tough games, but, I mean, they're losing a top ten competition, and yeah. they're right outside the top ten themselves. I mean, I'm not really hitting the panic button, and I know, uh, you know, the biggest complaint that I would have on Gus Malzahn this season, given the fact that he's given himself control of the offense, and there's been so many games where, you know, the offense has really struggled, particularly on the road. I just think that that's just a part of starting a true freshman quarterback in the SEC. I think... uh, I don't know. I just think there's too much expectations maybe on Bo Nix. I think based on that uh, season opener touchdown pass against Oregon, I think that really set the set the bar so incredibly high that we maybe all got a little too caught up in the Bo Nix hype. And, you know, as great as Tua and, and Tebow and all these elite SEC passers were, I know Tua made the game-winning play as a freshman, but he yeah. He didn't get Alabama there. He had to come off the bench in the final game. Right. You know, uh, 
Tebow didn't start as a true freshman. So I don't know. It's just I think it's incredibly difficult to ask Bo Nix to just step in and lead Auburn to like an SEC championship or anything. But it's one thing to lose to a team you got no business losing to. But given the fact that Auburn, their only losses to top 10 teams, I know know Auburn is in kind of a weird spot and (laughs) fans are getting frustrated with this offense again. I don't know. I I just think Gus is fine. I think he's deserved. And keep in mind, Shane, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, He's the only damn coach in the SEC that's beaten Nick Saban at this point. So uh, <laughs> he, he's at least got that in his back pocket, and he's beaten him several times. So right, I don't know. Yeah. I, th- I think the the Gus Bus Heat seed is is a little far fetched at this point. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Um, you know, mainly watching games that they shouldn't have, but it's just you know people got upset at the old Miss. That thing was a lot closer than than expected. But I mean, hell, give me sloppy victories all day long, you know. If it gets me to eight and four, you know, or eight or nine and three, or ten and two, even. Uh, so there's there's still a good shot. They, you know, I'm I'm not trying to bury them by no means. I'm just saying that we all know that Georgia and Alabama are right there on the schedule, and Sanford, nothing against them, but you know, I, I just think that at the end of that stretch, the what kind of narrative are we looking at? I guess it just really depends on how those games go. So, and there's a chance that they win them, you know what I'm saying? So then at that point, you're going to be like, Oh hell, you know, we've got a good coach here. So, um, and and they currently have a top 10 recruiting class. So that's something also, I think, you know, it's one thing if you're maybe winning on the field, but not getting it done in recruiting. But I don't think that's something you can say about Auburn either. All right, Shane. So that's all I got. For this episode, you got anything before we hop off here? Nope. This one's running a little late, and my daughter just came back here and said my dog just broke free, so (laughs) I'm going to have to go uh, scour the neighborhood. (laughs) A little intoxicated, but I'm going to find that damn dog. So uh, that's all I got, Mike. I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Uh, The ratings reviews really do help us out. Uh, I promise I will get to those at, at some point. But, uh, you know, again, the pictures of the koozies, that's freaking awesome. So if you guys make it to those games uh, this Saturday and you, if you're in the stadium, man, send a picture of them koozies. I, 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 that really does mean a lot to us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Shane. So thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Don't forget to leave us that five-star rating and reviews. We'll get you a koozie. That's going to do it for this one. I'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls.